Why, hello there. I'm so glad you're here today. And trust me, you're going to be happy you're here today too because I have a killer guest today. I am going to be talking about back pain, what to be aware of, how things are interconnected with the kinetic chain, and so much more that we don't think about linked to back pain with Dr. Jen Fraboni. She is amazing. I followed her on social media for a while now, and she's actually 31 weeks pregnant now, and she is just fabulous. The way she explains things in a very holistic way and how things are connected with more than just, oh, your back hurts is amazing. And I think it's something that we can all think about in recognizing signs and symptoms and having awareness and not just trying to treat the symptom, but treat the body as a whole. Dr. Jen Fraboni is a PT and a DPT. She is an international renowned physical therapist who specializes in helping people overcome chronic pain and maximize physical performance. As the founder of the new platform and app, Gen.Health, she brings a unique and whole body approach to strengthening and mobility and living a pain-free life. In 2019, Jen was named one of the top 50 most influential healthcare professionals. Jen's easy, accessible approach has garnered her more than half a million followers on social media, and millions of views on her health and fitness videos. Jen has also been featured in Shape Magazine, Self Magazine, Men's Fitness and Muscle and Fitness in 2020. And she has also graced the cover of Oxygen Magazine. I'm telling you guys, she is so legit. You are just going to love her. And the way she looks at things is amazing. During the pandemic, she was also on Good Morning America and NBC for discussing back pain. So you are in for a treat today. Jen is also the co-host with her husband of her own podcast that is called the Optimal Body Podcast. So today I have Jen on and I asked her what's causing back pain, what can we be aware of, how can we move through, and I know you are going to just love her. If you do find this episode helpful, don't forget to leave a review. Let me know what you learned, what you liked, or what you like about the podcast in general. Today, I want to give a little shout out to Mommy of Two in NYC, and the review is called Love This Podcast. I love the topics you cover. I love how relatable you are. I love that you're a mom. I'm a mom of girls myself. I love that you openly talk about your struggles, and I love that you break things down to what's doable. I found your podcast yesterday, and I've been binge listening. Thank you, Mommy of Two in NYC. I really try to make an effort to help you realize that I'm in the trenches with you. I may have a podcast, and I may be here speaking to you, but I want you to understand I'm speaking with you, not at you, and I hope that we're learning together. And even in the episode today with Jen, I explained some things that I struggle with and that I could be more aware of or things that I've learned through a physical therapist and things they've pointed out. So I hope as you listen to Dr. Jen today that you feel the same thing and you can think of things a little bit differently because as we all change those simple things, those tiny things we can be aware of and not overcomplicate it and make it simple, we can see changes, we can feel changes, and we can feel better about ourselves. So I'm super stoked for you to listen today. And some exciting news, I am running a Cyber Monday sale right now for all of my guides. I only put my guides on sale three times a year, and my biggest discount is always for Cyber Monday. I have the Diastasis Recti Guide, the Postpartum Guide, and the Pregnancy Guide. The Postpartum and Pregnancy Guide, you can bundle those now if you wish, but those are full-body workouts. The Postpartum Guide has inner core work in it and nutrition as well to help you prepare during pregnancy. 
and the postpartum guide helps you heal afterwards. Turn back on your pelvic floor, make sure that it's working together. You're using your diaphragm, your pelvic floor, and your inner core to help you heal. And the full body workouts really ease you in slowly. Trust me, this is not a bounce back situation. This is easing you in correctly for long-term success. And then the Diastasis Recti Guide is a core-focused only plan. It is to help you improve your core. I talk about the diaphragm, the pelvic floor, the transverse abdominals, how they work together. And then we progressively overload your core through a beginner, intermediate, and advanced layers to really help you see and feel changes in your core. My coaching is not on sale because that is hands-on, so it is just for the guides that I have. But you will love all of them. The code is CHEER. C-H-E-E-R. Again, it's cheer for 25% off, which is my biggest discount I do. If you are needing to improve your core, the diastasis guide is going to be your friend. Or if you're pregnant or postpartum, then you have some guidelines and some great workouts that you can count on. All right, let's get into today's episode. Let's talk about back pain, how to be aware, how it's linked even through the kinetic chain and our whole bodies, and just how to realize that it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. There's a lot of simple things that we can do to help improve that pain and really empower yourself through making the changes. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed. So I've made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay a while. Hey, Jen, I am super excited that you are here today. I've actually been stalking you for a while and was really excited that you had some time to come on the podcast and chat with us today. Yeah, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I feel like I know you because I followed your journey for a while and your page for a while, and you are so excellent at explaining things. But for those who don't know you, give us a little bit about your background. (laughs) Sure. So I am a doctor of physical therapy. I had no idea I was going to really even build a social media when I was going into this field. Um, It just, it was actually, when I was in school and I got into the calisthenic community and the acro yoga community that I started to grow a following. And once I graduated, that's when I was like, well, maybe I should show people that I know more about the body than just like, hey, look at my handstands. (laughs) So (laughs) that's when I actually started educating, changed my handle to DocGenFit and have just continued on that journey and seen where it has taken me. I'm I'm not in the office anymore on the traditional sense. Um, and I, we now have an app platform that are helping people online. So it's, it's such a crazy evolution from going, you know, very traditional, never saying I'd work for myself to here we are now. That is so funny. And your handstands are magical. So I can say that. But it's great that you've been able to move online because as you and I have even talked about, there's not always access for people in their Mm -hmm. local towns, especially if they live in a more rural area. So it's so nice to be able to have that ability and to have 
quality doctors online to be able to help you that way. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I feel just so fortunate. Like this is truly what physical therapy is. It's it's the facilitation of someone into their own body rather than me fixing someone. So being able to take that and and really like if someone gets better, it's because they did the work. Like that is the most empowering thing to me that keeps me going. That's so true because you can go to physical therapy like once or twice a week, but unless you really integrate it, unless you really do it, it's like anything else. You can try to heal your core, but unless you put in the consistent work to try to progressively overload it and challenge it and do all the things, it's not going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to change. Exactly. You'll keep going back for the same thing. No perfect doctor is going to fix that except, you know, your own effort. So So when I was thinking about you, I was... I my audience is so many young mothers and just mothers in general or just women where I think that back pain is a super common problem and I know I I go to physical therapy on a regular basis. I love my PT. I he teases me that I'm a physical therapy junkie. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he teased me because I'm like, I have this issue. Tell me how to fix it. And then I love to go home and work on it, you know? Yeah. But I know that back pain is so common during pregnancy and then it happens postpartum. And then often we never fix it and it sticks around forever and ever. And so I know it's a little bit of a loaded question, but what are some ideas of things that people can be aware of? Or what do you think is most common that is causing back pain for women after pregnancy? Well, first, I think we get to understand pain in the body. Like, yes, there are physical um, sensations that kind of happen that are driving pain. But if it's continuing to happen chronically over years, months, um, and it's something that doesn't go away, we have to look at, you know, our physical structures are really good at healing itself. So if we are continuing to feel pain, there's something outside of that as well that we have to take into consideration. And that's not to say that pain isn't real and where you're feeling it isn't real. It's 100%. However, it's just a signal and that those signals don't always mean damage because again, your body is so good at healing itself. And I think that's the most important thing is that if we didn't have those signals of pain, that would actually be bad. Like imagine stepping on a nail and not knowing that you stepped on a nail. That's bad. Yeah. (laughs) So we need those sensations of pain and I, I love if people could reframe when we feel something. When I feel something, it's my body telling me and it's alerting me that something needs to change. That either I'm, you know, maybe I'm not getting enough sleep. Maybe I'm super stressed within my life and it's heightening those signals that come down from my brain into my body that just they, they can no longer be, you know, understated. They're like, now I'm talking and I have no control and this is what I feel all the time. And so really we have these signals that are always going up to our brain and always going down. And if we're not kind of overriding those signals that are coming down, if they're powering so loudly and we're not doing anything to kind of help reduce those signals, like getting sleep, moving on a daily basis, getting in water and hydration as we should daily, getting in good nutrients, getting in sunshine, like nature, whatever it may be. If we're not following these simple baseline practices, that's when our pain starts screaming a little bit louder. And 
that's where, you know, it, it really requires taking in the entire environment to start to understand back pain is not just my disc. It's not that something is out of place. It's just a sensation that my body is telling me something needs to change. And a good way that I like to kind of like <laughs> think about this as well is, you know, being pregnant right now comes with a lot of new sensations. <laughs> yeah. For and- those who don't know, Jen is pregnant. How far yes. along are you now? 31 weeks. Oh, you're so close. That's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It is exciting. It doesn't, it won't feel fast, but uh, trust me, it's coming. (laughs) Oh no, it it does feel fast. I'm like, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you have a lot to get done before. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, But you know, with that, there's, there's new hormones that are released that cause new sensation and movement within the pelvis. And so a lot of times people associate that with being something bad. It's not something bad. I'm actually happy I'm feeling new sensations or else that would mean my body's not doing what it's supposed to to prep for delivery. I need relaxant in my body in order to help open things up in my pelvis so it can move easier once I go into delivery. So the fact that if I'm sitting for a while and I get up and I feel some sharpness into my pelvis, that's actually, oh yeah, because my body's not used to having that much motion there. So it's going to respond by having a new sensation that says something is different because something is. But I know the moment I go to my breast strategy, the moment I start to strengthen again, and the moment I start to change more positions rather than just slumping into a couch, I feel something way different and the pain subsides and goes away. And that isn't because something is out of place. That's not because something is wrong. It's just because there's a new sensation coming into my body and I get to say, how do I adapt to this and how do I respond? And I think, you know, and and that hopefully starts to click of like, oh, I understand like pain isn't bad. Pain is pain is good. Pain is necessary. I need to feel pain. And it's a requirement for change. I love that because I do think we think, oh, pain is bad. Mm -hmm. And pain is your body talking. It's no different than hunger signals. If Mm -hmm. your stomach is growling, you need to put some food in your body. Exactly. (laughs) And and it's the same thing. And I love that you pointed that out. And even more that you pointed out, if if you're having pain, it doesn't mean to sit on the couch all day long. It means to pull out some tools and figure out why, what can I do to work around it? What can I strengthen? What can I, you know, do my breath work and different things. Um, for me, I have um, avascular necrosis. I was diagnosed this spring. So mm. my my hip, obviously, as you know, the top mm-hmm. of it is kind of falling apart. And when I started, I kept trying to force myself to go through the same motions that I've always done. Because in my brain, I was like, well, this is what's going to strengthen my legs. And I wasn't listening to my own pain signals very well. I just kept mm-hmm. trying to work around it and around it and around it, but like still doing the same thing. So as you were speaking, I thought about that and I'm like, you know, I could have probably saved myself a lot of heartache this <laughs> if I had just been like, okay, I need a new route. I need, yeah. I need to adapt. I need a shift. And I've shifted now how I do things. And I feel 10 times better than I did in the summer, which is funny because that's not a diagnosis that goes away, you know? Right. Um, but I feel better now because I'm adapting. And so I love that you pointed that out. You have to recognize it. You need to address it. And then you need the tools to make it better. Exactly. And that's when going to see someone really becomes so crucial because I think a lot of times what we do instead is 
and this is generally speaking and, and something that's so common for any of us, you know, we start to feel something and it's like, okay, well, I still need to move. So let me just move around that area. Yes. <laughs> let me start to compensate, right? I and, compensated so bad that during my squats, my my hips were fully shifting to one side. Oh, yeah. And I went to the VT and he's like, what is happening? <laughs> and I was like, and he said, he's like, that's your body. That's your neural pathways that you yes. realize that your straight down squat is hurting your hips. So you are shifting. Yeah. And it, I had to work out of that because like you said, I made the mistake of being like, well, I'm just going to keep forcing the squat motion. <laughs> yep, exactly. And we expect things to either like rest and it's going to go away or we're going to compensate and it's going to yes. go away. And that's usually not the solution because we're not actually addressing the root cause. I mean, that's the same as I'm just going to go get a massage and hope over time that's going to go away. You know, it, it yeah. doesn't work like that. We're, we can't just cover the, the surface of something and experience the underlying cause of it is actually going to resolve. We need to get back to that root cause of, okay, why is this happening in the first place? And what could I be neglecting that I'm not paying attention to? And I think that's where it comes in for back pain that you know, becomes so common, whether it's because we're sitting for a long time or because we're standing for a long time. Anything that we do for sustained periods of time can result in poor posture. And that and poor posture really is a sustained posture. That's mm-hmm. poor posture. We're not try, I'm not trying to get people into a military stance and and perfect straight lines all the time because that I would say would be poor posture. Anything we're doing that's sustaining one thing over and over again is not good for our bodies. What's best posture is the next posture. It truly is what we're doing to get out of that position more often on a regular basis. So we're not getting our body kind of stuck in the same pattern. And so if we are having to sit at a computer and at a desk, can we have reminders that pop up at least every hour that reminds us to open up our chest, to rotate through our back, to get up and, and get some water? You know, what can we do to change our environment more often than being in these sustained patterns? That's really what's driving a lot of these common causes, especially with back pain. If we sit into a rounded position, even if we're trying to get the most ergonomic chair and set our, our environment up as best as we can, if we're still staying stuck, that's not good for the body. We have to find ways to move. And again, that doesn't have to mean that you're getting up or you're spending five to 10 minutes each time. That can mean I'm going to do five chest openers sitting in my chair. I'm going to rotate through my spine three times and take three big breaths. You know, that is as simple as getting some more movement in. That is our first step to starting to reduce those sensations that we're continuing to feel in the same area. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Let's talk about a couple of signs to be aware of because you mentioned the biggest step first is you can't just be like, oh, I have back pain, let me say some awareness. So what are some things people could be aware of? And then how can we shift that into, you know, stretches and exercises and other things that you would suggest people be aware of if they're having back pain? Like basically, what do we look for? You tell yeah. us what we look yeah. for. <laughs> well, I think the first thing is like wherever we're feeling the pain, that's usually what we want to start stretching out right away. Okay. Like mm-hmm. my back hurts, so I need to bend over and stretch my back or I need to rotate and kind of, you know, move and manipulate my back. Well, usually <laughs> the back is speaking to you because some other area is being neglected. Okay. And typically when it's when we're talking about the back, 
especially if we've been sitting for a long period of time, it's because we're not moving our hips. So either we're limited in our hip mobility, we're we're limited in our strength throughout our hips, and all these areas are lacking support for our low back. Or maybe it's higher. Maybe it's our upper back because we're rounded over a device. We're not moving through the upper back. So what takes on more support? Our low back. Or we're nursing. <laughs> yeah, right? We're exactly. Or that baby or carrying that tiny baby. And so rather than trying to attack the the symptom that we're feeling. Again, let's get back to the root cause. What's not, what am I neglecting? What am I not moving enough from that I need to add more movement to? And a lot of times if my back is rounded, usually my my chest is tight. I'm not breathing from my rib cage and opening from my diaphragm because I'm in a more rounded, stiff position. Mm -hmm. Well, my low back then has to do a lot more movement and work because my upper back is the thing that's supposed to be moving. My hips are the thing that's supposed to be moving. And when both of those areas start to get stuck or neglected, the low back ends up having to say, all right, I'm going to pick up the slack for you too. And I'm going to start to move more. (laughs) And so if we stretch the low back, that might feel good for a moment. If we get a massage for the low back, that might feel good for the moment, but it's not going to do anything long-term. So we have to say, okay, am I really tight in my hips? And a lot of people listening are probably like, yeah, but (laughs) I haven't done anything yet. Uh, You know, it's so how can we start to change up our variety, especially if you work from home? This is where this is your opportunity to say, okay, can I sit my, my computer up at a at a coffee table and sit crisscross legged on the floor. You know, that's an easy way to start even opening up your hips and getting more mobility without doing mobility work. Yeah. You're just kind of passively sitting. Two and birds it, with one stone. Exactly. <laughs> um, or how can you stand a little bit more? How can you move your legs a little bit more? So, you know, getting our our hips to be open in different positions is so crucial. Sometimes folding laundry on the floor, playing with a kid on the floor, you're naturally having to sit in these different positions on the floor. Maybe one leg is back, one leg is forward. And so we start opening up the hips without intentionally doing mobility. And I think that's one of the best ways to start just paying attention to our hips is because we go from, you know, sitting in our bed to sitting on a couch, sitting in a chair, sitting in our car. We're never really getting down to the floor unless you're doing an exercise pertinent to that. So we have to be a little bit more intentional. How much time am I spending sitting versus getting my hips in their full range of motion? And I think that's, that's a really good, easy place that people can start. Um, And then, you know, when you're sitting at your desk and you're going to take these little breaks or maybe even sitting in your car, driving home from work, going to work, can you wrap one arm at least? So keep one hand on the steering wheel, (laughs) but wrapping one arm around the low rib cage and kind of squeezing your low rib cage or taking two hands if you have the freedom taking two hands and squeezing that low rib cage and taking a slow intentional breath into your hands to expand from the sides of the rib cage. 
And what this does is it helps to start to move that diaphragm. So rather than Mm -hmm. trying to do belly breathing or thinking of breathing up into the chest, think of breathing to the sides of that low rib cage and then doing an even slower breath out as you exhale. This is automatically going to shift our nervous system, take us from that fight, flight, freeze into that that rest, relax, digest, take down any increased sensations of pain that we might be having, especially if we just take long, five slow breaths like that pain signals can automatically be turned off. But what it also does is it opens up our chest so we're no longer in a slumped over position or extending from our rib cage and flaring our rib cage. It automatically helps to stack that rib cage over that pelvis, which brings in our inner core naturally, kind of naturally gets into that pelvic floor and helps to realign the body without, again, forcing where my shoulders down and back and where's this and and forcing things in our body isn't what's going to get us the result. Yeah. The diaphragm breathing that way almost makes the diaphragm go into that position naturally. It pushes your body into that position naturally without you being like, lift my chest, roll my shoulders back, all the things. Because of the breathing, it moves you that way just fluidly. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a lot less stimulating. I mean, think about, you know, shoulders down and back and putting on, that just increases more tension in our body. And and people overdo it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Overdo where I'm like, that doesn't even look comfortable anymore. Yes. People forget there's, there's, there's a neutrality that I think we forget. It's either like I have terrible form or I'm like trying so hard to have good form that now Mm -hmm. it hurts. Exactly. (laughs) So if really we just started to be more conscious of where my breath is coming from throughout the day and and little practices, whether that's five breaths before as you're falling asleep at night, super easy to do. You're already laying down, fill your rib cage and take some five slow deep breaths. Sitting in your car on the way to work, on the way back, stressed out at your desk and needing a moment to recoup before you send an email. You know, where are the moments that we can find those moments of three to five intentional slow breaths? Where can I find the time to sit on the ground, to open up my hips a little bit different? And where can I find the time to just kind of rotate through my chest, open up my back and change my positioning? If we did those three things, I guarantee your back pain is already going to start to feel a lot different. That makes total sense. And a place that I remember thinking about my breathing a lot was when I was nursing. What I would do is I would Mm. sit on my bed and I actually did sit cross-legged a lot. Now that you say that, I'm like, oh, that's good. I didn't even know I was (laughs) – I didn't even know at the time that it was helping. But but I remember thinking at the time – because it's so easy when you're pregnant to start breathing with your chest, you know, and and to just turn off your diaphragm. And when I would nurse, I'm sitting. I'm not – I don't have anything else to do. It's not like I can walk around and do a ton of stuff. (laughs) And so I would think about my breathing. What are my ribs doing? Mm. You know, are they are they moving or am I chest breathing or my belly breathing? I would think about that. And it's that's a good time for those who are nursing or for people who have younger kids if you're sitting on the floor playing with them and it's not overly mind engaging where you're like I'm playing blocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think like can I take five breaths with my diaphragm in this moment while I stack these blocks with this 4-year-old, you exactly. know? Exactly. Small things like that when I'm making dinner, when I'm folding laundry, when I'm sitting at the soccer game, whatever it is that you're doing. And even putting an alarm on your phone, I think, as you're learning, mm-hmm. um, because so I huge. think it's hard to remember. Like, Oh, it's so hard. I'm terrible at remembering things. In fact, I put a lot of, my husband teases me because I put alarms on my phone for everything because if I get really busy, 
I'll even forget to have meals or I'll forget yeah. to do this or that. And so I don't want to do that because it's not good for my body. So I'll set alarms like go have a snack. And I'm like, oh yeah, I am hungry. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> yes. And so huge. Right. And even asking for accountability for, for some things. Like we don't realize that we clench our butt throughout the day and we're super stressed. And then that's putting a lot of tension into our pelvic floor, potentially our low back, making our hips tighter. So, you know, having those those people to kind of hold you accountable a little bit? Yeah. Are you mouth breathing all throughout the day? Even just breathing in and out throughout our mouth puts off a lot of carbon dioxide. And then we're, we're, we're putting our body in more stress. So actually closing your mouth throughout the day. Like we won't realize you watch it, you're watching TV all of a sudden your mouth is hanging open or yeah. you're doing dishes and your mouth is hanging open. And so having that friendly little hopefully friendly, a little reminder from a partner, you know, like a little tap on the chin. Oh yeah. Let me breathe through my nose. Let me, let me reduce those signals. If your partner isn't friendly, just set that alarm for yourself. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There you go. I actually learned that about the breathing, the mouth breathing just recently. I listened to a podcast on it and I was like, that is fascinating that when you breathe with your mouth closed, it does turn on your diaphragm brother, which I didn't even know that. Yeah. And it just, no nasal breathing in itself helps to stimulate and turn on our parasympathetic sympathetic system. So that's our rest, relax, digest. Mm -hmm. And as well, when we're doing it, we're getting more nitric oxide throughout our body, which is going to help to dilate our blood vessels and bring more oxygen to our brain, to our body. So we don't feel like that, that mental fog all the time. And I love the the things we point out because often people are like, oh, I have back pain. I'm going to have to do this and this and this. And, and here... A doctor is telling you, let's breathe with your mouth closed. (laughs) Let's take take deep breaths a couple times, you know, normal breathing throughout the day. Like that's a perfect first step, which anyone can do that. Yes. Tiny steps. You know, those of us in the podcast know my big thing is small steps. Keep it Mm -hmm. simple. Change tiny things. If you change a bunch of tiny things, A, you won't notice in the small, like in the moment, but they add up and it makes a difference over time. So I love that those are two really simple things that can make a difference. It does get to be simple because I think we overcomplicate, especially when it comes to pain. You know, once we start to feel pain, oh no, I don't have time for pain. Oh my gosh, this pain is overwhhelming <laughs> me. We, we go into a spiral just because we felt it for the first time, you know? So if we need to start reducing those stress signals within yeah. our body and what we're telling ourselves, your back isn't broken, your disc isn't slipped, your body isn't out of place, no one can put you back into place. The only person that puts you, puts you back into place is you. It's how we move. It's how we're we're strengthening our body. And then that's, you know, when strength becomes so incredibly important because that's where we build resilience within our own system. So we talked a little bit about some, you know, stretches if you have lower back pain. What about if people say, well, I have upper, is that just from the sloped shoulders? Would they be the same? Because I know we talked about the breathing for that Mm -hmm. because that's an imposing. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you would kind of suggest as a stretch or something for upper or lower back pain? You know, it kind of goes hand in hand. How how are we moving throughout the day? Are we in sustained postures? Are we breathing from that rib cage? Because the rib cage also needs to expand in the back, not just the sides. And so that can help to free up a lot of pressure. And when we get that that, that full through 360 expansion rather than just um, that constant 
shoulders down and back and driving a lot of stiffness yeah. through that upper back. Um, and then yes, we want to strengthen. So we want to, you know, have moments where we're strengthening the chest, we're strengthening the back and we're really balancing out the body and how it responds in both push and pull. Um, thank making- you. <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. Women will be like, I don't need to do chest workout. I'm like, yes, you do. It's yes, the do. muscle to your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need it. Everybody has opposing muscles and they matter because if one is out of balance, it is going to make you feel pain. (laughs) Oh yeah. And especially we spend so much time forward. So our pushing muscles are usually more dominant than our back muscles. Not that that means you have to neglect any pushing. No, It's just when we go into a better form for pushing, so say we're doing chest press and we're going into full range of motion and controlling our full range of motion, that actually helps open up our chest. It helps to improve our mobility when we when we load under tension in a controlled manner. So yeah. strength training becomes so incredibly crucial to help, again, build that resilience and continue improving that mobility through the chest. Yes. And it, people sometimes also, something to think about is I think sometimes we fly through motions. Mm-hmm. We're not even aware. And so when Jen's talking about a full range of motion, imagine coming all the way back, thinking about the muscle, using the muscle to push forward. Or if you're working the back, really using the back to pull because it's common sometimes when I've worked with people in person, they say, where am I supposed to feel this? And I'm like, oh no, if we're, if we're so disconnected to where we're supposed to feel a movement, chances are you're overcompensating with all kinds of things. So slow down your movement, Mm -hmm. load whatever way you have and think about what should be firing and make that range of motion thorough and Mm -hmm. slow. So you make sure that you're firing the right. Cause I do think a lot of times people just they'll get in like an interval workout and they're like mm-hmm. flying through the motion. I'm like, you don't, let's slow it down. Let's see what you're working. So I love you pointed out both of them because that matters. It so matters. And I love that you point out, slow it down. It's, it's the most frustrating thing for people, I think. Yeah. But then you realize you don't have to do as many exercises. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get to like, if you slow it down and, and become more mindful of the exercises you're yeah. doing, you're going to get a lar- much bigger result at the end of the day. It's like with a squat when you're trying to teach someone to breathe properly with a squat. Mm-hmm. So many people hold their breath. I'm like, yes, it will slow you down as you think about what the pelvic floor is doing, what your breathing is doing. It'll slow you down at first, but it will make you so much more efficient Yes, in the long run, you know, if you yes. Can- master it. So yeah, let's talk about some of those strengthening exercises then. What would you suggest to help with back pain for strengthening on all sides? So we talked about chest, we talked about back, anything else? Yes. I mean, it really, when it comes to low back pain or back pain in general, that's our our core pillar. So we do want to become in tune and aware of how we stabilize through our core pillar. And just like we went through, you know, kind of taking those deep, long breaths around that low rib cage, well, can we think of opening the pelvic floor and relaxing Mm -hmm. that pelvic floor as we take a breath in? Can we think of lifting and pulling in from the pelvic floor as we take a nice, long, deep exhale out? You know, how do we start engaging in those core core uh, stability so that we we kind of have that compact ability of pressures to be able to control so that when we do things like with our limbs, it becomes a lot more efficient of a movement pattern. So I think becoming aware of your core is something that's so incredibly crucial. And this is where I recommend 
every, especially women, um, but men too, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. You might not even feel like I don't have any issues. I'm fine. I'm good, but we don't pay any attention there. And we have a whole sling of muscles that are doing a lot of work and taking on a lot of pressure. And you won't realize that you are tight in a certain place unless someone points it out for you. Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, going to see a pelvic floor therapist is, is so crucial in connecting to that core stability and really understanding how those pressures really drive throughout the rest of the body. And then that's where I say low back exercises become a a full body exercise. You know, we want to strengthen the upper body. We want to strengthen the lower body. We want to make sure we can feel our feet. (laughs) We want to make sure that we're not always in heels and driving and pushing our body weight forward. Uh, We want to be more balanced through those feet, have control of those feet and toes, because that plays a role in what we feel through our hips and how we work our glutes. So we're not so quad focused, quad dominant. So many people are so, you know, tight into the front of their legs and drive so much pressure in the front of the legs and then end up blaming the hip flexors and needing to smash into the hip flexors for everything when that's really not the root cause. The root cause is that I'm not breathing from my diaphragm. I'm too tight in my pelvic floor. I'm not using my feet and I'm not controlling through my glutes, you know, if we could get back to the baseline of things, we won't have to smash and dig into any muscles. (laughs) Yeah. And, and people forget sometimes when the weight's so heavy and they're like, they're powering up and they're not even aware. And I've openly talked about how I, for years, I, if you look at the way I'm built, I have bigger quads because I did that. I made that mistake a lot when I was younger and I, and I didn't focus as much, which is a cue now I give on every single video, push through your heels, <laughs> yeah. you know, power, make sure the glutes are firing. Cause I do think we go through those motions and it's easy to overcompensate when we don't have the awareness that you've pointed out. Oh yeah. And that's so really easy. important. And I think yeah. I love that you pointed that out about the pelvic floor because I feel like it is the most underrated yeah. <laughs> muscle that I'm like, it's it's probably your pelvic floor. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I, I love that you pointed that out because I do think that's forgotten. And and back pain is often connected to that because the pelvic floor yes. connects into your back. It causes issues with your core when one of those is off balance. Again, they're opposites. And if you look at the way your core is built, like the transverse abdominals, it comes all the way from your spine, all the way back around to the other side of your spine. Yeah. So everything down there and then connects down underneath is important. Mm-hmm. And it's the baseline to strengthening our hips. It, yes. it, it, they connect into our hip muscles. So if we're going to, we want strong glutes, then we have to understand that we have the mobility first to be able to you know, expand from the pelvic floor in order to strengthen. It's not just about kegels. It's not just about trying to strengthen and pull it in and make it stronger, but sometimes we need to relax. I mean, think about strengthening your bicep. You know, if you were just curling up to your shoulder over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't make a strong bicep. We have to have the ability to extend the arm all the way straight in order to bend it up to our shoulder so that we can then build the strength within our bicep. That is the same thing with our pelvic floor. We have to have the ability to lengthen the pelvic floor before we have the ability to strengthen. And kegels alone, don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not functional in our life. They need to be incorporated through movement. Yes. And eventually the goal is to not have you thinking about your pelvic floor. It's, it's, there are muscles that just 
work on their own. But at first, gaining that awareness is the first step into being able to do that. Yes. You want them to be fluid. And I think as a society, I think we're getting better at it. But also people always think like with leakage, they're like, oh, my floor Mm -hmm. must be weak. And I'm like, well, nope, a tight or a weak pelvic floor, both can cause leakage. So being aware, like you said, is really important. And those hips, I have a hip issue, but one of the biggest things I do in every workout is you better believe I I stretch my hips because I have that issue. Mm -hmm. At this point, I can, my pelvic floor can get tight. And so Mm -hmm. I really focus on relaxing and stretching and lengthening and breathing and making sure that that stays loose around my hip issue and it has improved. And so I obviously don't have an issue now, but I'm very, being aware, I love you point that out. It's the biggest thing. You just have to be aware something is off. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm stuck. It doesn't mean I'm broken. It doesn't mean anything. It means I need to adjust. Yes. It means I need to add some stretches. It means I need to, you know, shift the way I'm doing it. Yeah. So important. So do you think there's like any supplements? I wanted to ask you this. What equipment or what supplements, I mean, besides strengthening those areas and stretching those areas, are, is there any equipment that you're like, I think this would be helpful for people or, or even home remedies, you know, I'm, I'm open to all the above. I'm a holistic (laughs) health person. I I don't think we need many passive tools, like, especially, you know, so many people, especially as we age, we get told, oh, we, you know, those inversion tables are so great for the back, but you know, as much as it's going to help in the moment to take pressure off of your back, the moment you stand, you load the spine again. Okay. So why not get the spine more used to loading? Because that's what we're going to be doing all day long rather than trying to think that we need to take load off. You know, I, it it feels good for you. Like keep doing it. It's not doing anything wrong, but I'm saying you don't need it. We don't need these uh, so many passive tools that we just kind of lay into and we expect to change. Change really only happens from what we actively are creating within our body. So, but I also am still a huge proponent of touch. I think touch is something really valuable. This is why you go see a physical therapist in person and they do put your hands on treatment, you know, mm-hmm. because touch talks to our nervous system. And so if we're never having that that touch sensation, you know, we could start to get more locked up and, and tighter and it's not necessarily, and, but, or we might not. I mean, if you have an amazing mobility routine, an amazing strengthening routine, and you have no stress in your life, you probably don't need any kind of touch, but if you don't have any stress in your life, I'd like, I'd like you to call me. <laughs> I know, right? Call How me. did you do that? <laughs> call me and tell me your secrets and sell a book. You'll make billions. <laughs> Literally. Exactly. So for many of us, we still need that. So I'm, I love still having my my foam roller and and being able to melt and relax into that. I love still having, I use tune-up therapy balls. So these are a little bit squishier. They're not lacrosse balls. I don't, I don't like hard tools. So because we have to realize that when we do touch, it's stimulation. It's not breaking up fascia. It's not breaking up any tissue. It is just speaking to our nervous system so, to, so that we can start to gain more range of motion and feel safe within our body before we go do movement. So that's what we should be using foam rolling. It's, it's the same as a massage. It's trying to get you back into your body to reduce those pressures and kind of relax that tension, but it's momentarily, it doesn't, it doesn't last a long time, but it still helps to calm the system. So I, I do still love using 
you know, tools and balls. It, it moves our superficial fascia. So if we just kind of were to p- pinch our skin and move our skin back and forth, we have some movement there. That's our superficial fascia. And between every fascial layer, we have a ton of fluid that goes through, right? I mean, layer in quotations, our fascia is just kind of all interweaved together. But we have fluids that move through. So the other good thing that 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 touch stimulation kind of does is it not only relaxes the system, but it also helps to improve that fluid mobility for that moment as well. So we can, you know, kind of move those tissues better, reduce that fascial restriction and feel again better so that we can go into more movement, maybe more range of motion, more depth. Um, and again, reduce the, the stimulation of pain. And the last thing I want to say on this is that, again, because it's not breaking anything up, we have to remember that harder is not better. True. We want to go into a sensation, feel it, make sure it's not too intense. You want to be able to slowly breathe into it. If you cannot relax your breath in an area, it is too much pressure. So you want to only put on the pressure that you can deeply and slowly breathe into, relax into, and feel that tissue change because of that nervous system response. It is not because we smashed out a knot. It is not because we changed a tissue. It's because we changed our response to that tissue. What were those balls called? Will you send me the link as well? Because I can put that in the show notes. What are they called? So it's tune up fitness. There oh, are fitness. Okay. there's like a gorgeous ball that I love to use around my gut belly area when I'm not pregnant. Okay. Um that really helps to kind of massage those tissues around our stomach and even help to downregulate our system. Okay. Um there's also just different size therapy balls that you can use. And one, this the smallest one, the therapy ball, I actually like to sit on on my pelvic floor and do some downregulation breaths so that I can release and relax my pelvic floor. I've never thought of the fact that you go to a PT and they do hands-on and mm-hmm. there's like, it's not so hard. I mean, it's skin yeah. and it's touch against touch. I've never realized, oh my gosh, some of your equipment should be that way too, because I'm thinking about it right now and I'm like, I have all hard equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm fascinated. I will definitely add a show note link to that and I will be buying some as well. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah, there's actually been, uh, because I know um, the owner of Tune Up Fitness and she's done a lot of studying a lot of work around fascia and and there's actually some negative uh, studies on hard tools okay. and how detrimental they could be to the body again well, harder even when is you not said better. about breathing I was uh-huh. like yeah if I'm really sore and I'm trying to hit something I do kind of start to hold my breath because I'm like oh that's brutal when I yeah and as you said that I was like I think I might do that sometimes <laughs> yeah and you what shows us people do is I'm like, I know better. I know better than to do that. But if I really think about it, I'm like, I could be doing that too, which shows anyone could be doing it. So that awareness is huge. Huge. All right. Perfect. Well, I will link that. Tell us where we can find you. I, I just adore you. Tell us about, you know, where we can find you on social media, your website, any services you have. Thank you. Um, so I'm at DocGenFit for like everything, um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, DocGenFit. And then 
my husband and I, who's also a physical therapist, we do have the optimal body therapy or the optimal body podcast together. And we do, we break down a lot of common myths about the body. Yeah. I'm all about that. And what you really need to know to help to heal some of these diagnoses that you might've heard. So we do, we do a lot of debunking on the show, which is one of my favorite things. Um, and then we have the gen platform. So the gen health platform, that's just gen dot health, not mm-hmm. dot com, just dot health. And we actually have 11 different programs for different, you know, whether it's knee pain, back pain, hip pain, <laughs> different pains within the body um, that you can go through that leads you through with like a 15 to 30 day program that just, it doesn't take much time because my goal is not to take a lot of your time. It's just to help you become aware and, and continue to learn about your body. If you've got pain, Dr. Jen's your girl. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Wasn't she amazing? I know that I learned some new things today, and I truly hope you did as well. I hope that we can all recognize that awareness really is the key, and it's not just about stopping what we're doing or always just getting a massage, but thinking about what is causing it and really stretching and using mobility and using strengthening and using our breath to really start to feel changes, and it can make a huge difference. I'm going to add all of her links in the show notes if you want to click on any of her social media handles or her website so that you can have access to her. But I truly hope that we both walk away from this episode feeling like, okay, next time I get a little pain, I'm going to deal with it a little bit differently, a little bit better, and I'm going to think about my breathing. As always, and you know I mean it from the bottom of my heart, You are always doing better than you think you are. All right, we'll chat next week.